0: And everybody said, Amen. 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 God bless you. You can be seated. Um, Tonight is, uh, well, uh, I'm going to start off by saying tonight that my goal is not to offend anybody. (laughs) Do I have your attention? (laughs) My goal is not to hurt anybody's feelings. um, And... uh, I just want to be clear with this and you'll understand with with the topic that I'm talking about is my, my goal is not to point fingers or lay blame at anybody's feet concerning uh, the issues that I'm going to talk about tonight but um, sometimes the Bible runs across um, our sensibilities and um, and and sometimes it just runs roughshod over what our, our issues are now y'all think that I'm fixing the Clothesline preaching. I'm, I'm really not. I just wanted to, to preface my comments with this: that that um, I I pray that you prayerfully consider what I have to say tonight, because I believe that it will be provocative for some. I recognize that there are people who are suffering, that there are people who need healing. There are people. My my own family. We lost my mother to cancer, and uh, and so some of the things I say tonight. Um, I pray that they don't hit you the wrong way. I pray that you receive them in the spirit with which both the scripture approaches them and that uh, I am trying to approach them tonight because I believe that it's God's will to heal. Does anybody believe that? It's God's will to heal. And I want to walk through the word of God a little bit tonight. And I want to talk to you um, about how that happens, about how healing and how miracles are appropriated to the church, um, and and this is not my opinion. Um, it's it's not an original thought with me. It's from from the scripture. I've heard others teach on it, but I've i heard a message a few weeks ago that really tugged on my heartstrings that, um, and and gave me some revelation that I would like to share with you tonight. And so, if you'd like to stand with me, Romans chapter three, verse number twenty seven, um, is where I'm going to read, and. Um, in this passage, Paul really begins to dig in and deal with laws. He's he's talking about laws, um, um, how righteousness is manifested apart from the law, and um, he's talking about these things. And if you know Paul very well, he deals a lot with the concept of of law. And so, um, in verse twenty-seven, I want to read in the English Standard Version says, "Then, what becomes of our boasting?" It is excluded. Somebody say, nobody has a reason to brag. Nobody has a reason to boast, Paul said. He said, our boasting is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No. He said, if it was of works, we would have a reason to boast, right? If if God determined who He healed and who He saved by how good we are and by how much we do, then we would have a reason to to brag. Amen. But he said boasting is excluded by what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by the law, somebody say the law of faith. Paul says faith is a law. You can just picture faith with its sheriff's badge on. Faith is not a suggestion. It's not um, just a character attribute. It is a law. And Paul says that our boasting is excluded because of the law of faith. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about what that means. But um, my, my prayer tonight is that before you leave here, that you recognize and realize that healing is available to you. That victory is available to you. That deliverance is available to you. That everything that God has promised is available to you through the law of faith, here in Romans three, Paul is referring it uh, to it uh, in terms of salvation, in terms of how we receive the righteousness of God and how we are justified, but everything that God has for us it's going to come to us by the law somebody say the law of faith let 's pray, Lord, we pray for your your word and your spirit to open our understanding tonight, God so that we can begin to See the kind of book of Acts occurrences, Lord, that it is your will for us to see. God, we pray right now against the spirit of doubt, against the spirit uh, of anxiety. God, we pray against everything that would rise up in our minds, against the settled truth of the word of God. And we pray, Lord, that you would lose faith in this building before we leave. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. You can be seated. Our world, physical and spiritual, operates by laws. These laws are uh, variously called laws of nature. They're called natural laws or physical laws. Can anybody name a physical law? Just Gravity. That's the easy one. I, I'll be talking a lot about gravity tonight because I don't know a lot about laws. <laughs> That's right. There's, there's the laws of thermodynamics. There's all kinds of of laws, And if you ever end up on the wrong side of one of these laws, you will know it. I'm not talking about uh, seeing the lights in your rearview mirror. We've all probably ended up on uh, the wrong side of traffic law. Um, y'all pray for me. <laughs> but I'm not talking about that law. If you end up on the wrong side of a natural law, you will know it because we've all learned about the law of gravity. I particularly learned about it when I was about 10 years old. I was out in the front yard waiting for the school bus, and I jumped off of a trailer to try and dunk a basketball. I didn't know the rim was wet, but I soon learned the consequences of being on the wrong side of the law of friction and the law of gravity. Because about the time that I kicked my legs up like the pros do, my hand slipped and I fell 10 feet flat on my back. And on the way down, I tried to break my fall by putting my arms behind me, and I sprained both wrists, knocked all the breath that's ever been in my body out of my body. I tried to yell, Mama. I couldn't get it out. And I literally crawled inside the house looking for Mom. I thought I was dead. This is the last few moments of my young and tender youth. This is it. It's over. It's over. Because the law has done me in. I sprained both wrists. And I remember I was laying there that day on the couch. And I, there's still a video of it. Because my nephew was just a little baby. And my mom was videoing the baby. And she panned over. And what happened to you? <laughs> Put it away mom. I ended up on the wrong side of the law. And some of you may have ended up on the wrong side of the law too. Now listen. Listen. My pride was wounded, and I did crawl inside looking for my mama. But understand this, that it wasn't that God wasn't happy with me. That's not why I fell down. Now, I know we have the tendency to think that everything bad that happens to us happens to us because God is not pleased. This is the judgment I deserve. Someone backed into my car. I deserve it, God. What did I do? There's a man in our church one time that his truck was broken into in a parking lot and all of his Christian CDs were stolen and he literally cursed God. How could you let this happen to me, God? Look, it wasn't that God wasn't happy with me and it wasn't that the devil was after me. It wasn't that I was being judged for some great sin in my life. It was totally impersonal what happened that day. The law of gravity did to me what it would have done to anyone in the same situation. It doesn't matter who it would have been that tried to jump and swing on that wet rim with all of the forces of gravity raging beneath them. It didn't matter who I was. It mattered what side of the law I was on. And so I just ended up on the wrong side of gravity that day and on the wrong side of friction that day. You see... Natural laws have certain characteristics. They are observable. We can observe their effects. They are consistent. uh, There have never been repeatable, contradicting observations of that law. They are universal. They appear to apply everywhere in the universe. It it doesn't matter where I go. If I'm here or if I'm in Miami and I fall down, gravity is working on me. And so uh, they are simple. They are absolute. Nothing in the natural universe, appears to affect or change them. They are stable and unchanged since first discovered, and they are dominant. Everything in the universe apparently must comply with these natural laws. And so, listen to this. A law works for everyone. Somebody say everyone. Every time, the same way. It is consistent, it's universal, it's absolute, it's stable, and it's dominant. And if you knew where I was going with this, some of y'all would already be running the aisles. Because it's not about who you are. It's not about what you deserve. It's just gravity working on you. Gravity works harder on some of us than others. But it works the same. It just depends on how much mass you carry. And I'm not going to get into that tonight because I don't have time. But God created the universe to operate by laws. And laws are not bad. They are good. They are good. Somebody say they're good. Good. Gravity is good. And now it may feel bad when you're falling down. But gravity is good because it holds me down so that I don't fly off this spinning rock called the earth every single day. The reason I can have a family and, and have a job and go to church and and pay my tithes. A preacher's got to get that in somewhere. The reason I can do all that is because gravity works. Laws, somebody say, are good. They're good. And so we must comply with them. Gravity is for our good. It enables us to live and stay on the earth. But if you violate it and fall off of a building, you're probably going to die. Now listen, electricity, there are laws that govern electricity. Electricity is good when used according to the laws that govern it. It can power a hospital that will save your life. But if you let enough unharnessed current pass through you, your heart will stop. The laws of nature have the ability to create an environment where life thrives, but they also have the power to bring death too when we end up on the wrong side of them. And so... I want to say this, that God does not universally uh, suspend His law. Some of us think that God wakes up in a new world every day. Do I feel like being this kind of God today or that kind of God today? No, God doesn't suspend His universal laws. Colossians 1, 16 says, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And listen to this. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And because God does not change, universal laws do not change. We don't have to worry about waking up tomorrow wondering whether or not gravity is going to work, or electricity is going to flow through wire. We don't have to worry about that. It doesn't change. The universe is consistent because by Him, all things consist. Now, I know it sounds like a science lesson, but I, just let me get to the point where I believe this impacts our faith. Because God doesn't wake up one morning and decide that gravity is going to be a little less today. He doesn't change His mind and say, I think the sun is going to set in the east today. I think today I'm going to mix things up. I think I'm going to uh, switch up how, how the earth operates and which way it's going around the sun. You see... All the laws of the created universe are upheld and are consistent in Him. And you can count on the sun rising in the east and setting in the west every day because God is immutable and unchanging. Does anybody believe that? In fact, the Bible says that no words will pass till all be fulfilled from His law. That it would be easier for the sun not to rise and for the earth not to rotate around the sun, and all the natural laws to stop working, then it would be for one of God's words to fall to the ground. That's how invested God is in His Word. His Word is consistent, and His laws are consistent. And if God suspended the universal law of gravity, think about this. Say there's the most righteous man that we all have ever met or heard of, and he's climbing up the side of his mountain, uh, this mountain on, uh, on an outing with his family. Think of the universal disorder of millions of lives that would occur if God suspended gravity to save that one righteous man when he fell off the side of a mountain. Can God do miracles? Absolutely. Did God tell the sun to stand still for Joshua? Absolutely. Can God do it? Absolutely, but don't count on the fact that you live right and that you love God to change the fact that if you step one, one, two step too high off of a ladder that you're going to take a little fall. God doesn't just float you on down and say, Yo, hold on gravity, because if God suspends gravity for the one, it impacts everybody else around them. And so if God suspended, think of the damage that would be done. Think of paraplegic people that that would be harmed by being lifted up and floated in the sky and dropped back down summarily when God decided to reinstitute gravity. God does not suspend His natural laws. And so just as there are natural laws, there are also spiritual laws. And, And this is where I really wanted to get to tonight. There are spiritual laws... And they are like natural laws. They work for everyone the same way, all the time, every time. They are consistent. They are universal. They are absolute. They are stable. And they are dominant. Can I demonstrate one to you? Let's talk about the law of the spirit of life. In Romans 8, 2 through 4, it tells us that um, the law of the spirit of life has made us free from the law of sin and death. The soul that sins, Ezekiel 18 says, shall surely die, right? James says the wages of sin is what? Death. You sin, you die. And everybody dies because all have sinned. That's what the Bible says. And so it's a law of sin and death, right? It works on everybody the same way. It's a spiritual law. The soul that sinneth shall what? Die. It's depressing. (laughs) But there's another spiritual law, and it is the law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life is that if Christ is in you, you are made spiritually alive. And the law of the spirit of life says that if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me then death and the grave will not be able to hold me. That if he was resurrected, that I will be resurrected to life and raised to life too. And this is how we know the law works, is is we don't really have a problem with this. Because it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, how far, how bad you've messed up. How many of you believe here God forgives sinners that repent? God forgives sinners that repent. It doesn't matter how bad you sin. God doesn't make a, a, a list with you and say, well, let's go through what the damages are here and let's see if the blood really covers. Now, he might need to. It seems like to us sometimes. Let's Let's go down the list and see if you qualify for the blood of the cross. No, it doesn't matter how deep or how dark or how bad your sin is. It's the law of the spirit of life that if I repent and if I give my heart to God, that he will wash me. If I'm baptized in water, we are baptized for the remission of sins. I don't have to qualify for it. I just have to have faith to receive it. Amen. Say it works on everybody. Does anybody believe that? Am I in the wrong place? It works on everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you, it doesn't matter how long ago you sinned. It doesn't matter if it was 10 minutes ago. If you're genuinely repentant and you turn your heart to God, it doesn't matter how far you were. God forgives. Do we believe that? God forgives. He loves us unconditionally. Doesn't matter who we are and what we've done. The law works the same way every time. It doesn't matter who you are, what your story is, what your struggle is, how far from God you wander. It's the law of the spirit of life. It's the law of salvation. It's the law of faith. And, and so Romans 3 talks about the law of faith. And Paul says, where then is boasting? It is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. So Paul tells us the law of faith excludes boasting. Now allow me to tell, take a few minutes to tell you why the law of faith excludes boasting. Because if faith is a law, it is not a respecter of persons. Amen? Anybody notice the law works that way, or is supposed to? <laughs> there might be a few that get away with it, but, but that's how the law works. It's not meant to, to be carved out uh, for certain individuals get certain treatment. The, the law is to be universally applied. And, and Paul tells us the law of faith excludes boasting. It is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't take into account how hard you've worked. It doesn't weigh how holy you've been. It doesn't measure out the metrics of your character and worth. It doesn't check out your Christian statistics to see if you've been on your game lately or not. Is anybody hearing me? It doesn't measure out the metrics of your character or of your worth. Faith, like gravity, operates by a law. It is the law of faith. It works for everyone The same way all the time. And listen to this. Miracles are based on God's laws. Not on God's decisions. Because the Bible says by faith we have access to the promises of God. Does anybody hear me? I hope you see where I'm going with this in a minute. Because the Bible tells the story of a little woman with an issue of blood. Anybody remember that story? The Bible says she came behind in the press and she said, if I can just get Jesus my resume, then I shall be made whole. If I can just get to him and meet him and give him my 15-second my elevator speech about why I deserve healing, then surely he will heal me. Right? Wait, no, that's not, that's not what happened, is it? <laughs> We've got some Bible scholars in the house that are they are shaking their head no here. What happens is, she sees Jesus walking. She's never met Jesus. She's never talked to Jesus. And the Bible only comments about her condition. It doesn't say anything about what she's done to deserve. All it says is that she's had an issue for 12 years that she can't get rid of. She's gone to every doctor that she knows. She's tried everything she knows how to do and what to do. And she's spent much. And and, and and she's only ended up in more pain and in more sorrow because of all that she spent. But she sees Jesus in the crowd. And something within her says that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And the Bible says she makes her way through the crowd, pushing children aside Pushing other old ladies aside. Pushing anybody and everybody out of the way that she can get. Pushing men aside. Crawling through the dust and dirt. And reaching out and finally in a moment touching the hem of his garment. The Bible says, listen to this. Virtue went out of him. And instantly the fountain of her blood was dried up. Somebody say instantly. Instantly the fountain of her blood was dried up. I love this. Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? He doesn't even know who she is. He doesn't know in his flesh. He doesn't know her name. He doesn't know her social security number. He doesn't know if she went to church last week. He doesn't know whether she's prayed. He doesn't know anything about her. He says, who touched me? And Peter said, what are you talking about? There are people all around you. He said, no, somebody touched me. That is different. And I felt virtue go out. And she, trembling, came forward and said, it was me. Look, look at how the healing happened. She had faith that if I can just touch the hem of his garment, it'll happen. And it didn't matter who she was. It didn't matter what her resume was. It didn't matter how holy she was. It didn't matter how, how much she'd been praying. And it's not popular to say in a church. All that mattered was that in that moment, she had faith to receive what God had for her. That's all that really mattered. Because when she touched him in faith, he didn't qualify her. She just received virtue from heaven. Virtue that flowed out of him. It was not administered by Jesus. It just went out of him as if by a law. Has anybody ever shocked anybody? When we were kids, we would... Then sometimes you said, Man, I, it's not working today. I'm not getting enough friction. You know what? You know what makes the shock work? It's the laws of friction, right? It's it's electromagnetic laws that make it work. And it works when it works for a reason and by a law. It's not personal. And, and neither is healing. Neither are miracles. It's not personal. It's not God saying, I choose to heal you, but not you. I choose to heal this one, but not that one. Now, now let me press pause here, because I know where you're already going. Is I'm not advocating that you can live forever and always be healed. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that there aren't thorns in the flesh that are the will of God, because Paul sought the Lord three times, right? He sought Him three times and said, take it away. And finally God had to answer him because Paul had faith to receive. And God said, okay, Paul, I could take it away. But if I did, you would be exalted above measure and you need to stay humble. And so God revealed to him the purpose for which he had the pain. But understand this. Outside of that, the Bible says by his stripes we what? Are healed. Not can be not should be, not would be, or could be by by His stripes we are healed. It operates, It's already purchased. It's already it's already been done. We we are already healed. Now I may not see it right now in my present reality. I, I'm like the man that Jesus healed. He laid His hands on his eyes and, and rubbed mud in his eyes, and the healing didn't happen right away. Right. It took a while for his eyes to clear up. But the moment that Jesus touched him, he was already healed. He just didn't see it manifest yet in his life. The ten lepers that were healed. The Bible says there was as they went away. In other words, he said you're healed. And they didn't see it until they started to go away. Far enough away that most of them didn't even come back. Because if they were three steps, they would have said, hey, it worked. They didn't even do that. They were far enough away that... It happened away from Jesus and they didn't come back. So listen to me. Hear me tonight. I know it's provocative. I know that it's going to challenge somebody in some circumstances that you've dealt with. But faith is a law. And laws are impersonal. And miracles are based on God's law, not on God's decision. God is not sitting on the throne of heaven and saying, You do not deserve healing because you lied last week. Now let's be honest. If you've been around church long enough, you've seen people receive some stuff and you say, I don't know why the Lord did that for them. (laughs) I don't know. God, I'm just over here trying to live for Jesus. (laughs) And they over there living like the devil and they got healed. Is there any real folks in the house? Listen, is it okay if I get real tonight? Pastor's not here. Y'all don't tell on me. (laughs) But look, I've asked the Lord. I've asked the Lord. I, I know... Some men who have messed up morally in their life, ministers, preachers living in sin, but they can lay hands on people while they were living in sin and through the gift of faith see people healed, see people delivered. Because God is not basing healing and miracles and signs and wonders on personal worthiness. Paul said boasting is excluded because it's of the law of faith. Boasting is excluded. If it was about how holy we are, we could say, Man, I've prayed enough, and, I, and I've lived holy enough, and I've lived righteous enough, and so God, you owe me some healing now, pay out. But He says, No, it's not, it's not, and salvation is not of boasting. It if It's excluded by the law of faith. In other words, he's saying you can't be worthy enough to receive a miracle of healing. You can't be worthy enough to receive salvation. You can't be worthy. But what you can do is you can have faith enough. And so it doesn't matter. Now, now, hold on. I knew I was going to have to do a lot of this. Let me press pause and just say I'm not telling you to go live like the devil. Because, listen, if you live in sin, you're going to have to face the eternal judge. And you don't want to lose your soul. And you don't want to go to hell. Can I get an amen? We still believe in hell. You don't want to lose your soul. You don't want to lose your family. You want to live for God and be righteous. But understand this. Your healing is not determined by your righteousness. It's determined by your faith. Your victory is not determined by your righteousness. It's determined by your faith in the one who was righteous enough. Who is powerful enough. Who is able. To do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. You see why I'm teaching this tonight? Because when I began to listen and then I went and started studying this out, I said, oh man, I have had it all wrong because so many times I've gone to God and I've asked for things and I say, God, I've been trying to live for you. And Lord, would you please? And I'm couching my prayers in my personal worthiness. And you know what that means? I have faith in me, not in him. I've got faith in what I've been doing and not in what he's already done. The reason I believe that we see so few miracles in the church today is that the knowledge of people concerning God's law of faith and their confidence in that law is either non-existent or very small. God doesn't wake up in a new world every day. His will is settled. Are there some things in His will that are not for us? Are there some healings that are not for us? Yes. It's appointed unto man wants to die. Something's going to get you. <laughs> Eventually something is going to get you. And God's not going to heal every disease because we all are appointed to die. Amen. There are thorns in the flesh and things that God is using for His purpose and plan. But outside of that, outside of that, we have received healing already for all sicknesses and diseases that are not in the will and the plan of God for our life. In Mark 11 Jesus gives his uh, disciples an object lesson on the law of faith. Mark 11:12 uh says English standard version on the following day when they came from Bethany he was hungry and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf he went to it to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. I want you to notice that. Nothing but leaves, it was not the season of figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples are standing there watching him because they heard it. They, they saw him curse the tree. And listen to this. Mark eleven twenty says as they passed by in the morning, this is on down, this is a few days later. Uh, I skipped ahead in the verse uh, in the passage. It says, As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree wither away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, that fig tree has, uh, that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered him, and he said, Have faith in God. What is Jesus trying to do here? Jesus is trying to demonstrate the law of faith. To his disciples. And he sees this fig tree that has no figs. And so he curses it and says, may no one ever eat figs from you again. Then they come by a few days later and the disciples are blown away. Oh my goodness. It doesn't have figs. It's withered up and died from the roots. And Jesus says, have faith in God. Somebody say, he's talking about faith. That's the real issue with the fig tree. It wasn't that he just wanted figs. He wanted to show them how faith works. So look, he says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, now they're standing on Mount Olivet. He says, Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, listen to this, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. It is yours. I have always found this to be a difficult scripture. Because there are a lot of things that I've felt like I've prayed and believed for that I have not seen happen. Can anybody get say amen? amen. But this is the word of Jesus. Jesus shows his disciples... That just as I spoke to the fig tree and cursed it, so you can speak to a mountain and remove it. So you can ask for things in prayer. And believing that you have received them, they shall be yours. Jesus was teaching His disciples about the law of faith. He said, if you ask in prayer and believe you've received it, it will be yours. What Jesus didn't say is that if you are worthy enough and you've been doing good enough lately... It'll be yours. If God is in the mood that day for a miracle, it'll be yours. If the music and the songs are just right and the atmosphere is dialed in on one of those Sunday mornings where everybody's feeling it, then speak to the mountain because it's the right time. Jesus didn't say that either. If you felt goosebumps when you said it, it'll be yours. Jesus didn't say that. (laughs) If you are pure enough, have lived holy enough and said just the right words, it will be yours. Didn't say that. Laws don't operate that way. They're constant and universal. Jesus says, listen to this, whoever says to this mountain and does not doubt in his heart but believes what he says, it will be done. Whoever. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. That's not a preacher. That's not a traveling evangelist who's using the gifts of miracles and healings and faith. Have you ever noticed that when we have people... um, that are using those gifts. It's a powerful thing. It's a great thing. But our faith rises. Our faith rises. We believe it for them, but we don't believe it for us. But Jesus said, whoever says to the mountain, be removed, and doesn't doubt, but believes in his heart, it shall be done for him. Right? Whatever you ask, whatever you you ask in prayer, believing it shall be done. Whatever you... He's not talking about a special class of people who have found... The, the secret. He's saying this is available to everyone because it is not just um, the gift of faith. It's the law of faith. And so there are, there are three qualifiers of the law of faith I'm going to talk about in our remaining time. But I hope that somebody's mind and heart has been opened because you can receive the healing. You can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These signs shall follow who? Them that what? Believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall cast out devils, right? They'll tread on serpents. They shall speak with new tongues. Do you realize that everything that God has for us is accessible to us through the law of faith? It's accessible to us through the law of faith. The victory that you need over that struggle, over that addiction, over that sin, it's accessible to you through the law of faith. Not through getting righteous enough for God to grant this this, uh, request to you, but through believing and trusting that God is that God can, that God will do it, it shall be done. Somebody say, it shall be done. And so here are three qualifiers of the law of faith. First of all, anyone can speak to a mountain. Anyone. So someone say, I'm qualified. I'm qualified. That means you, not just the apostles, not just first century Christians. I sat down with at a Bible study with someone who attended a church of Christ one time and they eloquently tried to show me where uh, miracles and signs and wonders no, <laughs> no longer happen. I'm like, you come too late. <laughs> we already got it happening to our church. You know, this was like a few months after somebody was healed from cancer at our church. So uh, you come too late to tell me that it doesn't happen anymore. Somebody say, I'm qualified. No matter how big or difficult your problem is, Jesus said, if you, if you. Jesus chose the biggest obstacle that he could think of. The literal rock and dirt mountain, the Mount of Olives that he was standing on outside of Jerusalem. And you will never have a larger, more impossible obstacle or problem than moving a mountain. Jesus did it on purpose because it was what they were standing on. And he says, if anyone says to this mountain be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. If Jesus told you it is possible for you to command a mountain and rise up, float over and disappear into the ocean, everything in you would probably cry out, not me, Jesus. Maybe my grandmother, she prays a lot more than I do. Maybe her... Maybe pastor, uh, you know, may- maybe one of those evangelists that comes through. But Jesus took the biggest thing that he could think of a mountain and he said, This is an absolute truth. This is an immutable law that your faith can move this if you follow the rules of the law of faith. Your faith can move any mountain. You are qualified. You are qualified to see God do incredible, amazing things. And powerful things in your life. You are qualified to lay hands on people. And see them baptized with the Holy Spirit. You are qualified to lay hands on people. That are sick. And see them recover. And it doesn't have to be in a church service. It doesn't have to be. You are qualified to speak in faith. To a broken marriage. To a broken home. To broken situations. And see them removed. Now hold on, I'm going, to pre- I'm going to press pause again, because I want to tell you one thing God doesn't do. God never overrides free will. Amen? And so anything and everything that is available to you is available to you with the caveat of free will. So if you're praying for your lost children to come home, let me tell you something. Now, this may not be popular. I'm not telling you not to pray for them. Pray that God would pull on their heart. Pray that God would tug on their heart. Pray that God would send the right people. Pray that God would show them a path home. Pray that God would remind them of what they used to have. But you cannot pray for God to change their heart. Only they can do that. God won't do that. God won't do that. God is not going to stop and override somebody's will to answer another person's prayer. God won't do that. But let me tell you, anything else, anything around that, and other than that, that is available to us, God can and God will. Anything that God has said that He will do, He will do, and we have access to it through faith. God said He would save. How are we saved? We're saved by faith. Amen? God said by His stripes we are healed. How do we have healing? By faith. Faith is the answer. And so listen to what Jesus says. that if anyone says the mountain be removed, And does not doubt in their heart. We must not doubt in our heart. And this is where the rubber meets the road. It's not a matter of speaking magic words. The words are nothing if we waver in our hearts. You can say all the right stuff, but if you don't believe it. You know, the qualifying factor of the New Testament church, what what they were called, long before they were called Christians. They were called believers, right? disciples, those who had believed in and forsaken everything to follow after Jesus. We need a revival of believers, not religious constituents, but of believers, because you can go to a church, you can hear sermons, and you can intellectually agree on some level, but not have the faith to appropriate it into your life. And that's what I'm talking about is is I don't mean it as an accusation towards anybody. If you've got a sickness or an illness in your body, I, I don't say it to indict you. I'm trying to show you what the scripture says is that if unless it's God's will and God's purpose for you to go through that and we've got to be open to that just like Paul was. Sometimes God puts things in our path and, and leaves things in our life for his purpose but outside of God's purpose, we've got to come to the understanding that I I have healing for that. I just must not Doubt in my heart," he says. "Let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord." As I read this uh, and, and prepared, I prepared for this two weeks ago, and uh, and then the storm rained it rained out. And so this is the rain check on the message. But when I, when I began to study and read through this passage, this is where I stopped and I said, okay, that's me. Because sometimes I pray for things and I'm believing, I'm halfway believing, but I'm, I'm also kind of tossed back and forth in my heart. Has anybody ever been there? And the Bible says when we pray that way, we've got to understand that our issue is faith now. And we've got to pray and seek after faith. We've got to drive doubt from our heart. That person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. I'm, I'm claiming that one for myself. I've prayed those prayers where I said, God, would you heal him? And in the back of my, my head, I'm saying, ah, fat chance, you know. <laughs> it's probably not going to happen this time. In fact, I, I gave myself the nickname of the death angel for a while. That I went to the hospitals and prayed for people, and they soon would pass away. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, like I've got to stop praying for these folks. I'm hurting them. <laughs> And, and, and that wasn't the case at all. I'm just kidding. Please relax. <laughs> but but I've, I've done my share of doubting. I've done my share of doubting. And we've all done our share of doubting. But God says if we can get it in our heart and believe it in our heart and operate by faith that it is accessible and available to us through faith. The problem is we have competing knowledge. The world will always have knowledge that competes with what we're believing for. We know because we pray for healing, but there's another voice talking to us saying, it might not happen for you this time. And there's always going to be competing knowledge, what the doctor said, but, but statistics say. And, and there always will be that, this, this knowledge of the world. And so how do you drive out doubt? How, how do you drive out doubt? Here's how you drive out doubt. You do to doubt what doubt does to you you talk back to your doubts. You get mouthy with your doubts and fears. Now some of you will be good at this because you're already a little mouthy. (laughs) Amen. I'm I'm joining the ranks. (laughs) Some of us already got a problem with our mouth. But you ought to be real good at this. When doubt talks to you, you start talking back to doubt. And that's how you drive doubt out. When doubt says you aren't worthy of it, your faith needs to rise up and say, I am a child of God. I have been washed in His blood, sanctified by His Spirit. I walk in His authority. When fear tells you God won't do it for you like He did it for them, your faith needs to rise up and say, He give it to all breath and life and meaning. When we create an atmosphere of faith in our life, then we can begin to drive doubt and drive fear and drive anxiety out. But we've got to learn to talk back to what's been talking to us. Yes, you're going to have doubts. Yes, you're going to have fears, but that's when you've got to open up your mouth and you've got to speak words of life and you've got to speak words of faith. I love the little lady in the Bible. Listen to what she said when her son died. The prophet had promised her a son. She didn't even ask. But when he died, she didn't say it's going to be all right. That's not what she said. She said it is well. Not it's going to be okay. Or, God, if you want to, you can do it. That's not what she said. She said, It is well. She met the prophet. She met Gehazi first. And Gehazi said, What, you got a message? Is everything all right? She said, It is well. Not it's going to be well. The miracle's not done yet, but her faith was already settled. It is well. She was operating by the law of faith. Doubt was talking to her. Evidence was in her face. She had a baby laying on a bed at home with no breath in his body. But she said, it is well. It is well. Not it's going to be well. He's already healed. I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's true because I know how the law of faith works. I haven't experienced it yet, but it's okay because I know how faith works. And it's not going to be alright. It's already okay. It is well with my soul. Everything is already alright. She was talking in the face of doubt, rising up, when Jesus said, Went to heal Jerry's daughter. What did he, what's the first thing he did when he got to the house? He drove the doubters out. He said, get out of here. All of you mourners and doubters that have already given up, get out. Because faith can't operate in a mixed environment. Where doubt lives, faith dies. And so we've got to learn to create an atmosphere of faith in our life. You've you, you got to cut some voices. If you're talking to somebody about your situation, they say, well, I just don't know. You've know, you got to cut that out. And say, no, it is well. Not it's going to be well. It is well with my soul. And here's the thing. It's not a magic formula of words that you say. But if you believe it in your heart, Jesus said you can say to the mountain, be removed. And even if you don't see it move, you can speak to the fig tree. And if there's still figs when you're walking away and you see it disappear over the horizon, it doesn't mean that it's not done. It means that you just haven't seen it yet. Because miracles don't always happen in real time. Miracles don't always happen right away. And so what do you do when you see different evidence than what you've already believed for? Is you just keep believing? You just keep trusting? You just keep proclaiming? You just keep standing upon the promises of God? By His stripes, I am healed? I want to tell you this because it's probably the only time that it's ever happened in my life. And I don't say it to brag because boasting is excluded. I don't say it's a brag, but a couple years ago, about two and a half, three years ago, I hurt my back working out. I was dumb. I kept working out through it and doing squats and lifts, and like, I, I made it so bad that I just was struggling. I went to a chiropractor. didn't help. I did everything that I could do that I knew to do, did all the kind of stretches you can do. Nothing would help. I'd have a tingling sensation going down the back of my legs. Every time I sat in my office chair, it hurt. Every time I drove in my truck, it hurt, and I got to the point where it lasted for about a year and a half. Uh, we had preachers and, and uh, people who were using the gifts of healing come through. I had them pray for me. It didn't work. But one morning, I, I, somebody preached. I, I believe it was pastor preached on speaking faith. And you know what? I woke up one morning and said, Lord, I thank you for healing my back. This is not going to be my future. This is not going to be my life. Because what I was doing every day as I was driving down the road saying, I can't live like this forever, God. God, I I can't deal with this back pain forever. I can't. God, it hurts. And sometimes it's worse than others and I can function. But, Lord, I don't want to live this way. I don't want this to be my life. But my, my speech changed. And I don't even know when it happened. It was a few months after I started claiming healing. That all of a sudden, one day I realized my back wasn't hurting anymore. All of a sudden I realized that what I had been praying for for so long happened while I didn't notice because I was living in faith. I refused to accept any other alternative. And I was just telling God every day, Lord, I thank you that you've healed my back. I thank you, Lord. And I discovered something then, that faith is a, is a law. It, it, it wasn't that I was special or God loves me. It's a law. It works the same way like gravity works the same way. If you have faith to receive it, if you believe in your heart, And do not doubt, it shall be done. Matthew 13, Jesus went home to Galilee and could do no great work there because of their unbelief. It wasn't that he didn't have the power of the wisdom or the anointing. He had it. Trust me, he had it. But he could not work there because they could not believe. Why couldn't he work there? Because of the law of faith. God always operates by his laws. And this is why Jesus said, anyone can speak to a mountain and say, be removed, and it will happen if he believes in his heart and does not doubt. 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. What does John say? He said, we know that we have the requests. He says, we know that we have them. Not that He can do them, not that He will eventually do them, but that in the present moment of prayer, we have already received what we are asking for. The Bible is full of things that God has already declared as ours. We already have forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ you know this before you ever came to an altar, before you ever found your way in the church house, you were already forgiven. Did that mean you were right with God? No, but you were forgiven the moment that he shed his blood on the cross. The Bible says that Jesus in Hebrews chapter nine and 10 tells us that Jesus entered into the holy place in the heavens, in the heavenlies, and he offered his blood once for all forgiveness already purchased. It's already waiting Already there. Your forgiveness. Before, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. It was already purchased. It was already yours. You just didn't know it. You just didn't have the faith to receive it. You just hadn't repented of your sins yet. You just hadn't made it to the waters of baptism yet. And so understand this. John says you already have it. You just have to claim it through repentance and baptism. You just have to claim it through faith. We already have healing. The Bible is declared by His stripes. We are healed. We already have deliverance. Romans says, Sin shall not have dominion over you. We have it. It is ours. But we have to access it through faith. It's like a light switch. When we flip it, we already know what's going to happen. Amen? Anybody ever flip the light switch and it didn't do what it was supposed to do? hmm, something's wrong. Either the electricity's out or the light bulb's out. Something's wrong. We know it's going to happen. The lights will come on. Why? Why do we have so much confidence in that light switch? Because we have harnessed the law of electricity in such a way that it will deliver the right amount of power to the right circuit at the right time. We just have to know how to access it. We have everything that God has said is ours in this book of promises. We have it all. And he gives us the keys to access it through his word. You just got to know how to get to it. Forgiveness was already yours. Even when you were lost and dying as a sinner. It was already purchased. And what a shame that the world around us might go to hell. And their salvation has already been paid for. That's why we've got a witness now. I just turned a corner on y'all. Y'all didn't see that coming. <laughs> but it's already done. Somebody say it's already done. It's already been done. We have everything that God said is ours. The baptism of the Spirit, the Bible says, is the Spirit of adoption. And when I receive that Spirit, I am made a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That means that if I'm a Spirit-filled believer, that everything that is His is also mine. But I can only access it through faith. And so Jesus tells us when we pray to believe that we have already received it. It may take time before I see it manifest, but somebody say it's already mine. Daniel prayed for 21 days for an angel to bring him his answer. He didn't see it for 21 days, and the angel finally showed up and said, Man, I had to fight spiritual warfare for 21 days to get here. But do you know the first moment that Daniel prayed it, the answer was already on the way? It was already his. He just didn't see it yet. The mountains don't move by believing that they will move and just looking at them, do they? This is the last qualifier. How do they move? He says, you must say to the mountain, if he believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. And here's the final qualifier of the law of faith, is the law of faith works through our words. Scripture tells us the power of life and death is in the tongue. Mountains just don't move. They move when we speak to them. To move. Demons don't come out by believing that they will and just looking at the person oppressed and saying, I wish they were free. Words have to be spoken. Words aren't just words. They are spirit. Jesus says the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And if we want the spirit of God to move in our situation, then we must speak the word of God out of our mouths just as Jesus spoke. I am not saying that you can name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and whatever you want is yours if you say, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that anything and everything that He's already proclaimed, it is 100% true. It is 100% mine. And when I come into faith agreement by speaking it out, there's something that happens in the atmosphere and faith is activated through speaking. The mouth of the upright shall deliver them, Proverbs 12, 6. The tongue of the wise is health. Proverbs 12, 18. I create the fruit of the lips, Isaiah 57, 19. Listen to that. I create. God says, I create the fruit of the lips. Mark eleven twenty three. 23. He shall have whatever He says. We don't have the ability to speak life to things that are outside of God's will. And we don't have the ability to speak life to things to consume them upon our own lust. But hear me tonight as I come to a close. We do have the ability and responsibility to come into agreement with God's will by faith and speak those things which are not as though they are. It's a law. Can, can I ask a question in the close of this? How many of you have ever prayed and you thought, God's probably not going to do it. I haven't really been doing good lately. Anybody ever prayed like that? I've stumbled. I had not been praying like I should lately. I've gotten distracted. And so, God, I know you're probably not going to answer this. Let me, let me help somebody here. Is God can hear your prayer. And God is not picking and choosing winners and losers. He set it up. It's already been done. Healing is already available. Victory, deliverance, salvation, it's already available. But you have to access it through faith. Somebody say faith works. Stand with me. I just want to say this. We, we know the power of electricity. It's a blessing to our life, especially in the summertime. We love the air conditioning. It's a great blessing to our life. Do you know that that power has always existed from the beginning of humanity? Back when the Mongols were charging across East Asia, riding horsebacks and sleeping Under animal skin tents. The power of electricity was available to them. They didn't know how to harness it. But it was available to them. George Washington. When he was fighting the American Revolution. The power of electricity was available. It was there. It would have worked if he had just known how to use it. It, It's always been there. It's always been on tap. Benjamin Franklin finally finally figured out that lightning is electricity and began to discover some things. And and then along came a a whole list. I I started looking up who invented electricity. It's It's like 25 different people discovered different things about the laws of how electricity works. And when enough people knew enough about the laws, all of a sudden we were able to now harness it in such a way that it can bring benefit to our lives. I want to tell you, all the power of God is available to you, us as believers. The Bible says that He has granted unto us all things that pertain to life and righteousness. He's granted them all. He's granted them all already. It's already available. But we have to learn as Christians how are we going to access it. We've got to access it by the law of faith. And so, I'm real quickly... The first qualifier of the law of faith is I, I, anyone can speak to a mountain. Somebody say that. Anyone can speak to a mountain. The second qualifier is we must not doubt in our heart. And the third qualifier is we must speak it out in faith. And so what I want, I want you to do is I want you to work on the atmosphere of faith in your spirit and in your life. Does anyone have anything that they've been praying for and asking God for? Anybody in the building? Just raise your hand. We, we need to pray for an atmosphere of faith to overtake our heart and our spirit. Because it's available to us. Now please don't go out of here and, th- and say, Man, Brother Rory said I can live like I want and still have everything that God has. <laughs> you can, but you won't want the end result. Trust me. But but it's available to us through faith. And we can take the pressure off of ourselves. We can take the pressure off of ourselves to be good enough or to be holy enough or to be powerful enough enough. Because I want to tell you, it's a revelation, but, but Jesus is really all you need. And He can do everything and anything that you need Him to do in your heart and in your life. And the power that you wish you had, He does have. And so you can only access it through faith in Him. Your boasting is excluded because it's not really about you. It's about the one that you're believing in. And if you can have faith in Him, it opens up for you the avenues of healing and of victory. And so I want us just to lift our hands. Um, Ushers, go ahead and come down. I'm going to have everybody pray while the ushers come. But let's just lift our hands and ask God to help us to receive and learn how to appropriate the word. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, I believe that this is your word, God. I believe that there are truths that are held here that we need to learn to take advantage of, God. I believe that there are people that can be used of God to do great and mighty acts In our midst, God, in our day, in this hour, in this church, in this body, God, I believe that healing can flow. I believe that gifts of the Spirit can flow. I believe that these things can operate according to your will and your plan. I pray, God, that you would help us to harbor an atmosphere of faith, to drive out doubt, and to speak the word of God in total agreement without wavering or doubting so that we can see your kingdom come and your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Everybody that believed it said in Jesus' name.